Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, the podcast where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm here with my two friends, Ant and Anna. Hello. Don't think we don't notice you going off script. Yeah, I'm very nervous. <laughs> I'm clenching everything. I'm doing okay so far. One word okay. deviance is, yeah. is one word This too week far. we are covering the year <laughs> 1712. Yep. Yep. And I would like three word previews from both of you, please, Ant. Yar me mateys. <laughs> Yar mateys. Yar me. I wonder what that's about. And Anna. Wit and morality. Oh, classic Ooh. Anna. <laughs> I'm just going to lecture you both <laughs> on areas of your moral failings. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Puritanical Anna. Yep. And my three are damn famous grandchild. Damn and famous grandchild. With- damn famous grandchild. Great. And with no further ado, here we go. We, sh- we could have done with a little more yeah. ado. <laughs> okay, so this week I'm going to talk about Ludwig van Beethoven. Ah, but okay. not that yeah. Ludwig van Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> Just some guy. <laughs> Because the year in question this week, 1712, was the year when the famous Beethoven's grandfather was born. <laughs> and Jesus. he was also called Ludwig, and he was also in the music business. All right. But he had a damn famous grandchild. He sure did. Who outshone him. Yeah, he made the mistake of having a grandchild who was a total genius mm. and was far more famous. And so this segment is dedicated to him this is why i'm going to refuse my grandchildren any education (laughs) so they can't outshine me learn from ludwig von beethoven no not that one's mistakes (laughs) and and following this podcast episode we can now consider his memory preserved for all eternity yes um such as and we can make a vow here and now never to talk about the damn famous grandchild the damn famous i will i will make that vow Okay, so here we go. The other Ludwig von Beethoven. Here is your moment in the sun. Okay, so Beethoven's loser grandfather was born on January the 5th, 1712. 
and went on to become a professional singer and music director. And a funny thing about the loser grandfather, (laughs) just to confuse things even more, is that in addition to sometimes being confused with his grandson... There were, in fact, two Ludwig von Beethovens born in 1712. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm totally serious. What? One in Mechelen in modern-day Belgium and the other in Antwerp. And it's not certain at all which of these two Ludwigs actually then went on to settle in Bonn in 1733, who we know was the guy who was actually the grandfather. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's not really helped by the fact that the first biographer of the composer, the fame, the proper famous Beethoven, made absolutely zero attempt to trace any of the genealogy beyond the grandfather. The Ludwig. loser grandfather. Yeah, the loser grandfather. And so, uh, the, but the, Be- the Ludwig von Beethoven from Mechelen is generally assumed to be the grandfather. Okay. But it's basically, as far as I can tell, it's really just because it kind of suits everyone to pick one of them and go with it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and okay, so gotcha. this is the one everyone's gone that with. That is amazing. And there's, there's really no evidence to suggest, to suggest whether it was one or the other. Anyway, so... Um, he is the second. So he was the second son. This is the one. So this is the story of the one from Michelin, okay. uh, because it suits everyone to, to to say that it was it was this one. So he was the second son of a master baker mm-hmm. from uh, called, uh, from from Michelin. Called you're Michael. a master baker, aren't you? I am you master a ma- bake a lot. <laughs> 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 called Michael von Beethoven. <laughs> and his dad his dad Michael von Beethoven besides being in the bakery trade yep <laughs> also participated in the local real estate market. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he also traded in antique furniture and paintings. Oh. And the, I mean now we're nearing the end now of the biography. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just the, yeah, so just the age of six, Ludwig von Beethoven's uh, uh, loser grandfather was described as having a beautiful voice. Okay. And uh, so he was granted admission to the choir boys seminar of the local cathedral, mm-hmm. effectively becoming a choir boy, yep. basically, uh, in, when he was about five or six. And then in, so we'll jump forward now a bit. So 17, <laughs> 1725, he then began his studies under the chief organist of another cathedral. Uh, and and then we've got no records of what happened until 1727. Good. And then uh, basically he bounces around some different choirs. So that's that's his amazing, incredible life story. <laughs> <laughs> so what a, what a, what a journey, huh? This is I'm I'm riveted. What a journey! So good. I would he, say this is the shallowest depth we've achieved <laughs> in terms of a life story. But we've got it. We've got it. Someone somewhere has yeah. to tell the story of this guy. I know, and I love that it's you. So he then he died from a stroke in 1773 in Bonn, leaving a bunch of debts to his son. <laughs> And and that is the that is the end wow. of someone who has a fifty percent chance of being Beethoven's <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, at least it was mercifully short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the loser grandfather's son's name? J began with J. Good. <laughs> J Beethoven. J. J Beethoven. J Beethoven. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Yep. Any further questions are there? It's I, where Mr. Z got his inspiration for his name from. That's right. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I I don't have any questions. I think you've... I mean, I've really covered it, you have I? You've covered it what? in astonishing amount of detail. What, what, what did he bake? What kind of things would he bake? The, the master baker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he baked uh, mostly gingerbread. <laughs> <laughs> gingerbread 
women. Women, uh, gingerbread oh, women. Pro- oh, progressive. Very progressive. Very yeah, yeah, progressive. He was, yeah, he was. It's very hard to gender a gingerbread person, right? Yeah. And yet we've been doing it for yeah, we have, a long really. time I know. as a society. Yeah. I'm, fi- I'm glad we're shining a light on this at and last. Exactly. Yeah. Finally, we're holding a mirror up to the gingerbread people. people. Women. Yeah. And uh, also gingerbread, entire gingerbread um, uh, castles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Good. Defended by gingerbread Moats. women soldiers. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly progressive. Yeah, all right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe there's not been more written about him. Yeah, <laughs> know, For somebody who is so ahead of his time on gender roles. Oh, we need to take this out the back and shoot it, right? Okay. <laughs> right, for my turn, hang on to your hats. I'm talking about Mozart's loser <laughs> uncle. <laughs> Not quite, but uh, there is dubious accounts of history. Ahoy. Uh, we're going to talk about a very famous man, perhaps the most famous man in his oeuvre. Okay. This is, of course, Blackbeard the Ooh, Pirate. Oh, wow. Nice. Hence, Yarmy Mateys. Yes. Blackbeard, right, whose real name was Edward Teach or Thatch, was a notorious English pirate who operated during the early 18th century. Uh, while we don't know too much about his early life, uh, it's kind of shrouded in mystery. It's believed he was born about uh, 1680-ish in Bristol in England. Oh, were uh, there actually two Blackbeards? <laughs> and we're assuming that the pirate... Well, there might be. We'll come on to that. Oh. Um, so, from being from Bristol, he probably has a Bristolian accent, uh, which I won't do, <sighs> unfortunately. But I do suggest to the listeners who don't know what it is to look it up on YouTube. It's quite a treat. And I don't think it's that menacing an accent, really. Okay. Um, but uh, you think kind of like Hobbitish ish okay. kind of-esque. But, you know, it's a lovely accent. I'm not poo-pooing it. But it's just, as no. a, you know, you know, as a dread pirate. It's Yeah, it's, it's like you don't really, you're not going to be threatened by Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Blackbeard, he began his seafaring career as a privateer. So working for the forces of good during the War of Spanish Succession. And after the war, though, he transitioned to just outright plain regular old piracy. It's interesting how people often reach a point in their life and do transition to evil. Isn't it? <laughs> you know, when did you reach for, your yeah, point? For some people, it's earlier than others. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You really bloomed. Uh, <laughs> so he associated himself with other infamous pirates at the time. There's like a motley crew of them. And he became crew on their various pirate ships, learning the trade. One significant association was when he was taken under the wing and apprenticed to the dread pirate Benjamin Hornigold. <laughs> That was his name. He just didn't, he wasn't, unless that he liked gold a lot. Um, <laughs> but he went on to give Blackbeard command of his own ship and he had his own crew. And then Blackbeard's reputation grew and grew as he developed his fearsome image. He had this thick black beard. And during battle, what he would do is he'd put slow burning fuses in them and light them. So it would smoke and in his spark beard? in his beard. That is cool and dangerous. Yes, it was terrifying. It and it was really against any of the best practices of health and safety in the workplace, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't just a swashbuckling ne'er-do-well. He also had a softer side. Uh, he allegedly had multiple wives uh, or consorts or pressed women. Apparently marrying a woman named Mary Ormond is the one that we do know about. Okay. Uh, who was his 14th wife. And uh, he, Blackbeard, uh, quote, uh, offered her as a gift to the crew. So That I like less. Yes, but it's also important to note here that 
there was a lot of news traveling by letters. There was a lot of propaganda. You know, a lot of these things written about yeah. pirates were probably not true. Okay. Just to drum up like this anti-pirate yeah. sentiment. They're slandering. They're him. completely slandering yeah. his good name. So he probably just had one wife and was very faithful and loyal and just a lovely guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet that's right. <laughs> History has shown us that most men make good choices. You're pro Blackbeard, right? I'm pretty pro Blackbeard, I think, Got at it. this rate. Uh, yeah. As such, uh, there are accounts of Blackbeard's pirate career marked with plundering, intimidation, and just these audacious acts of dashing, you know, piracy. Uh, <laughs> just regular piracy stuff. Yeah, just your he, bog standard piracy. He was downloading DVDs, the rest of it. <laughs> You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, roamed the waters of the West Indies and the eastern coast of the American colonies, targeted merchant ships and spreading fear amongst the victims. Um, and it could be the case that just many of these things were not related and just all associated to him as well. So yeah. maybe he wasn't as mm. prolific as, as they say he was. He's just a good person to pin them on. But there's so many myths surrounding this guy, it's hard to sort of you know, pick these apart. Some of the ones I'll go into, for example, Blackbeard's Buried Treasure. He didn't bury treasure. Aww. Pirates, as a general rule, didn't bury treasure. It was a bad thing to do with treasure. You would just sail spend, away spend and, it, and then, right? and then and spend it. it. And yeah. There was no like, where did you get this money? It's like, ooh, nice gold. Yeah, Please come I'll in. I'll take it. Yeah. Here. But buy Enjoy more my good beard oil. Service. So where's the <laughs> whole buried treasure thing? Is that just like a it's recent... Just, it's, it's from Treasure Island is what oh, it's from. It's from the book. Yeah. Ah. So so that's that's basically the, the whole backing yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so another tidbit of information, you can look up Blackbeard's flag, which is uh, a black background, a white skeleton with a trident uh, poking a red heart. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. But it wasn't his flag. No. Uh, no it, it just dates back to 1912, we think. And we don't really have any idea what the flag he flew really was. Some suggest it was just a plain red flag. Others suggest it was the classic black flag or a black flag with a skull on it. But we don't really know. Um, it definitely wasn't that really cool one with a, the pokey heart one. Anyway. I'm, everything is feeling so debunked. Yes, it is. So 712, the height of his power, he was really just giving it what for. Um, but one of the most notable incidents was actually his downfall. Uh, Blackbeard in 1718 was aboard his ship Queen Anne's Revenge, which was originally a French slave ship named La Concorde. But Blackbeard captured it and renamed it to be his flagship. Queen Anne's Revenge was this large frigate armed with 40 guns. It was this formidable vessel. It was big, it was fast, it was powerful, and it terrorized the seas. There's basically nothing it couldn't catch and nothing it couldn't defeat. Now, it's important to note that it, there was a small little flotilla of, like, ships. It wasn't just the one-on-one. -on -one. It yeah. was, you know, oftentimes a lot of them working like in concert. Like a little pirate navy. Yeah, exactly. So, in November 1718... Lieutenant Robert Maynard, a British naval officer stationed in Virginia, was assigned the task of capturing or killing Blackbeard. Ooh. Now, Maynard had prior experience in naval operations against pirates, and he had gained a reputation as being a bit of a pirate slayer. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, sidebar. That's a very cool nickname. Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, his intense pursuit stemmed from just the the, the, you know, the notoriety of Blackbeard and like he was an amazing scalp to have and he was threatening British shipping and the colonial trade and he was just this figurehead that they needed to get rid of. Yeah. Um, 
so he was just determined to bring this guy to justice, this symbol of rebellion and lawlessness against the against the British Navy and against the the crown. In the when you do the mix of this episode, can you put in the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack? I don't I think we like can this... afford that. Ah, yeah. dang it. What if I hum it? <laughs> I could compose a pirate-ish yeah. <laughs> tune. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's a decisive battle in Ocracoke Island, or just off it, Ocracoke. North Ocracoke. Yeah. Is, is that in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Uh, Maynard and his small contingent of men engage Blackbeard and his crew. So there's three ships involved in this, Maynard's being the, um, uh, what's it called? Sorry, flagship. His flagship, which was called... Pirate the, Slayer. Oh, the Napster. The no, Napster. it's called the HMS Ranger. It's called Sorry, the S- Ranger. Securities and Exchange Commission. <laughs> so uh, Maynard in Ranger, uh, he engaged... Ranger is a little disappointing as a yeah. as a name for this legendary pirate well, it's slayer. a bit generic isn't it's it? a bit generic yeah i wanted it to be like <laughs> beard keepy floaty boat yeah like yeah, yeah the place you'd i've got nothing i've got nothing but i think ranger is lame <laughs> i think it's a cool name anyway so they were outnumbered the royal navy were outnumbered and uh, at this stage they were engaged in gunfire and and, and and cannon fire and hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Unfortunately, the Maynard's ship, the Ranger, was sort of disabled while the other two ships were way off in the distance and couldn't engage. Mm. And so Blackbeard came alongside. And Blackbeard then boarded, but due to Maynard's excellent fighting skills and his soldiers they actually managed to repel Blackbeard and defeated him on board their own ship oh wow just in time for the other two Royal Navy ships to come alongside and like, yeah. oh we did it yeah, like, we, yes good all of us good job <laughs> so um, and apparently he sustained multiple gunshot wounds and Oof. sword blows before finally succumbing to the attack yeah you can't really come back from that or or maybe he didn't like a lot of this is not known so, because what happened was after this the reports came back by letters various people wrote letters and it took some time to come back to the uk um and were published in sometimes i think in april and there's slightly different accounts some say he was beheaded and hung on front of the maynard ship some say he was brought to shore and hanged i have actually an expert uh, excerpt here from the boston newsletter <laughs> you had called in an expert and I was like that's way more effort than we deserve so about the retelling of the event and I can tell it to you and it's quite nice I like it Teach called to Lieutenant Maynard and told him he was for King George desiring him to hoist out his boat and come aboard Maynard replied that he designed to come aboard with a sloop as soon as he could and Teach 
understanding his design, told him that he wanted to he wanted him to let him alone. He would not meddle with him then. Maynard answered that it was him he wanted and that he would have him dead or alive, else it would cost him his life. Whereupon Teach called for a glass of wine and swore damnation to himself if either took or gave quarter. That's pretty good. So It's also kind of- funny just to think about these two dudes shouting at each other from the decks of their ships. Yeah. Like, you shall not come aboard. I no, I shall come aboard. No, you shall not come aboard. Yeah. I'm assuming they're, they're shooting at each other at this point. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, but this this, this goes to show. Like, what, I'm trying to. So hang on. So 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 Maynard's ship's been disabled. This Teach prob- comes yeah. alongside. He's and then he st- starts to say all this stuff to him. I I, th- I think it's before the fighting happened where he's like, "Oh, oh I'm for in- King George. You don't need to come aboard, or oh, no, or do no, do come aboard, and we'll be mates." Yeah. When he's going to stabby okay. stabby him, so gotcha. I think there's a little bit of back and forth. Whatever. Nice. But it just goes to show the sort of the, you know, exuberance of writing about this is a dashing, daring adventure, and so really hamming up the prose and this kind of stuff. Did yeah. any of it happen in that way? It was probably quite a bloody and tragic sort of coming together. Yeah. Um, one history, of the f- man. Yeah, history, man. It, it, exactly. Um, one of the fascinating tales from this, Maynard spared the life of one of the pirates who was actually there as a traitor, just coming along to say hi to his mate, oh, okay. because Blackbeard apparently had a plot to blow up the ship if they were overpowered. Um, and so this this pirate actually wrestled the flame from the would-be arsonist uh, as he was on his route to the, to the magazine and so was spared. Um, I've got a, another excerpt from another paper about the actual battle itself, the hand-to-hand combat, which is wow. really good. Okay. Maynard and Teach themselves, too, begun the fight with their swords. Maynard making a thrust, the point of his sword against Teach's cartridge box and bending it to the hilt. Teach broke the guard of it and wounded Maynard's finger, but did not disable him. Whereupon he jumped back and threw away his sword and fired his pistol, which wounded Teach. Demelt, whoever that is, <laughs> that guy, oh, yeah, yeah. struck in between them with his sword and cut Teach's face pretty much. <laughs> yep says pretty much okay <laughs> also like i mean why did you if i was going to go and attack someone with yep. a sword i would i would use the pistol first yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah like, well, it's, I mean, like, it's almost like he starts the sword fight then he's like oh yeah i've got pis- i've got a pistol <laughs> in my pocket yeah, yeah i should just do that yeah yeah oh but then he cut my face pretty much so <laughs> there's a really good quote here for the next bit one of maynard's men being a scottish highlander engaged teach with his broadsword who gave teach a cut on the neck Teach then said, well done, lad. The Highlander replied, if it be not well done, I'll do it better. And with that, he gave him a second stroke, which cut off his head, laying it flat on his shoulder. Wow. I reckon that didn't happen. Yeah, probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> because because like, it's a bit too pithy, isn't it? It's like, oh well, if you don't think I've done it well enough, yeah, try uh, this on for size. No, like, in the heat of the moment, it's like I know you are, but what am I? Kind yeah, of, yeah, everybody in this era is pithy. That's their whole thing. Yeah, this you is, think, as you'll see in my bit, it's just pith all over. You're the watching place. a lot too much Bridgerton or something. I go. <laughs> well, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, Maynard's successful mission against Blackbeard brought him a little bit of recognition and uh, sort of his place in history, but not necessarily at the time. Um, we'll come into that in a second. Blackbeard's head was put on a spike by the Virginian governor in a place now known as Blackbeard's Point. Um, and apparently the skull was subsequently turned into a silver punch bowl, but that's oh, been lost to time. God. Maynard, sadly, did not get compensated or even paid for this uh, victory mm. whatsoever. Wow. Because he disputed the prize money should be split with the other ships that were like just basically not involved in the battle. Yeah. They didn't fight. They didn't lose people, etc. Yeah. Um, 
And he also was accused by those two ships of plundering some of the booty before they got there and mm. pocketing about 90 pounds. So the, the prize money was about 400 pounds, so a lot mm. of money in the days. And they apparently just siphoned off 90 quid before the ships well, got there. You know. So therefore, he actually didn't do very well in his career. He was eventually promoted to commander in 1739, 21 years later. Wow. Yeah. And the captain the next year, just by due course. Um, but then he died in relative obscurity in Kent at the age of 66. Um, last thing to note, the HMS Ranger is still a ship, not the, the same ship. Oh, I was like, wow. <laughs> but it's an archer class patrol and training vessel. Okay. Uh, based in Portsmouth, whose crew still celebrate the defeat of Blackbeard every 22nd of November. Probably... Very sober event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a sort of solemn memorial to Maynard. There you go. That is the story of Blackbeard and the golden age of piracy. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I am talking today about some characterful men of letters and the mm. shenanigans they got up to. And I love this time period because it just feels like the quintessential sort of English arts and letters era. Men in powdered wigs sitting in coffee shops talking about, you know, making witty commentary on society. Uh, And I find it all wonderful because I aspire to have that kind of life where I'm just (laughs) called upon for my bon mot and then I can go back to doing nothing. We can powder your wig for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thank you. I mean, it sort of is my life right now, but I... I very rarely wear a powdered wig. (laughs) It's too hot. Too hot. Way too hot. Uh, So anyway, the two men in question today are named Sir Richard Steele and Joseph Addison. And in 1711, they founded a newspaper called The Spectator, Hmm. which is not the same as The Spectator that exists today and is like a very conservative paper. But that Spectator did take its name from this original publication. And as an aside, Steele and Addison also started journals called Tatler and the Guardian. So oh, all of their journals so later funny. had their names poached. By. I feel I've heard of Sir Richard Steele. Yeah, well, it's a, there's a pub called the Sir Richard Steele. We have been we to have the been Sir been Richard there. Steele. That's yes, why. Yes, yeah, exactly. meet me at Sir Richard Steele. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's That's... not a historical context. It's a drinking context. Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> Which you know, when it comes to me, is probably the case. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so he was Richard Steele. Sir Richard Steele was famous enough to get a pub named after him, which is great. Uh, but The Spectator was a highly influential, highly influential periodical that shaped British literary and cultural history. Hmm. It ran for 555 issues, with the final one released in December 1712. So they were really churning them out. Um, and it had lots of essays and social commentary on politics, literature, society, fashion, and morality. It was very witty and satirical. And in its own words, the spectator's aim was to enliven morality with wit and to temper wit with morality. Oh, such a good witty 1712. It's it's just so 1712. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And the target audience notably was the middle class, which at this point in England was just starting to be a thing. There's like two of of them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like two guys who weren't aristocrats. Two guys with an Argo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Two guys shopping at Waitrose. Uh, And it was, uh, so it was on the rise and uh, the spectator wanted to promote moral improvement, refine manners and provide intellectual entertainment. Mm. So basically a bunch of toffs trying to teach us middle-class slum how to live our lives. 
And Steele and Addison invented characters as their pseudonyms, and the characters would then write the essays in the journal. And one of the characters was the very creatively named Mr. Spectator, Mm. uh, who wrote, he hopes it will be said he has brought philosophy out of closets and libraries, schools and colleges, to uh, to dwell in clubs and assemblies at tea tables and coffee houses. That's quite pretentious. I know, it really is. (laughs) And it's like the kind of thing, so I, I went and I found some copies of it online, and it's the kind of thing where a bunch of words are capitalized and you can't really (laughs) decide why. And it just feels very like, Oh, how, how wonderful. Um, And another one of the characters was named Sir Roger de Coverley, who I genuinely think is the template upon which Will has based his life. (laughs) So Sir Roger is depicted as an elderly, kind hearted and somewhat eccentric country gentleman. Sir Roger was known for traditional values, benevolence, and adherence to old-fashioned customs, and he's depicted as a man of honor and integrity, often expressing a desire to maintain order and tradition. Hmm. I see. Yeah? Which of those things do you think is the same? Elderly. Yeah, all but but benevolence, I would say. Uh, And uh, finally, Sir Sir Roger was portrayed as being out of touch with certain aspects (laughs) of modern life, which led to amusing and humorous situations. Um. The paper had a a real influence on the development of the essay as a literary form, and it also had a focus on promoting women's writing. Hmm. Um, And in Mr. Spectator's words, they wanted to increase the number of women who were of a more elevated life and conversation. Hmm. It was also hugely popular in the colonies. James Madison, who would go on to be the fourth president of the U.S., read it avidly as a teenager And Benjamin Franklin was also a reader, and he kind of aped the style later when he wrote his Silence Do Good letters, which Mm. are real page turners. (laughs) Um, So just to close it out, I have a couple of fun facts about Addison and Steele. So Sir Richard Steele was married to a woman named Margaret Stretch, but she died just one year into the marriage, sadly. But at her funeral... Sir Richard met the woman who would become his next wife. Wow. (laughs) Which is a real sort of... I don't that know. Is, yeah. That's intense, man. It's intense. Hang on, who attended the funeral that he hadn't met before? Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, maybe he invited her intentionally. Oh, I see. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, it said he met her there. So I guess maybe she was a friend. First date at a funeral Margaret's is... Friend. Yeah, it's, it's tough. tough yeah. It's hard to pull off. <laughs> but anyway, good for him. Uh, eventually, he moved to Wales and died there. And in the year 2000, when uh, they were restoring the church where he was buried, they found his skull in I a guess... lead casket. Okay, sorry, I was going to say not much has changed, but we live underwater. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and Joseph Addison's father was named Lancelot Addison, which is awesome. And in 1712, Addison wrote his most famous play, which was called Cato, and was a huge favorite of George Washington, who apparently staged it for the troops at Valley Forge during the Revolutionary War. And lots of people think some of the most famous lines in American revolutionary history derive from the play, like, give me liberty or give me death, could have come from a, a line in the play, it is not now time to talk of aught, but change or chains or conquest, liberty or death, as well as I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country, which is a pretty good line that was maybe totally cribbed from this play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Addison's personal life was less successful. Quote, his wife was arrogant and imperious. His stepson was an unfriendly rake. And uh, (laughs) there's an apocryphal story that when Addison was on his deathbed, he sent for his wastrel stepson to witness how a Christian man meets death. Wow. Which is intense. How does a Christian man meet death? 
I guess, peacefully and prayerfully. Oh, okay. And probably wittily. Yeah, given, probably wittily. Given these guys' sort of general vibe. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's just a brief little glance into the lovely world of social commentary and witticisms and powdered wigs and lovely things happening. I don't What's know happening? why, but I hate everyone in that story. <laughs> yeah. Something about it is just yeah, like, yeah. these so are not my people. I love them. They're my people. Yeah, it's I'm just preachy, not witty. <laughs> it's yeah. a bit pre- It's like, oh, we've come down from the heavens to give you philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards, you know, yeah and, you'll, and you'll fucking take it. <laughs> <laughs> I have only one philosophy. <laughs> Buy more Beanie Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I'm going to reinstate the spectator, but not the weird conservative one. And I'm going to teach you all some morals it's been too long <laughs> no thanks <laughs> pass <laughs> all right thank you for joining us that's everything you'd ever need to know about the year 1712 and the people that were in it and the shenanigans they got up to and most importantly beethoven's loser grandfather <laughs> <laughs> yes and all that's left to do is pick the next year from the random number generator so will would you mind please doing the honors Absolutely. And as a reminder, we've set the random number generator uh, to give us a year from all. Well, really, we, we've, we've kindly requested a year from yeah. 1000 BC to 2000 CE. Oh, look, my moral education is already wearing <laughs> off. That was so polite. <laughs> and the year for the next episode is 1328. 1328. Okay. Vikings. Maybe, maybe the, a little yeah. late for Vikings. Monks. Beethoven's loser, eight great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll we'll find out. I'm excited. See you then. See you then. Poodles. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.